what can I say? It has been a long time. Can I start there? It has been a long time since I have said hello to you, the $10 a month patron. Oh my God, you are the top tier patrons. Thank you so much. I hope that you are doing well. It has been far too long, and that is why I am so proud to welcome you to this, the first episode of Turn It Off, a show dedicated to off-Broadway musicals. And this episode, this inaugural episode, is dedicated to none other than Emojiland. That's right. But before we get into Emoji Land, I just want us to take a moment to lean back and have fun with our imaginations. You might be familiar with the movie theater in our mind. Well, this show takes place in a separate location. I want you to imagine that you are reclining in a nice cushioned chair. The cushion is a nice pastel Easter pink. It's like something out of the Golden Girls. It's Riviera vacation deck chair wear, if you know what I mean. So you're leaning back and you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're looking around and you realize that you are surrounded by glass. And that is because this show takes place in a beautiful, pristine greenhouse, tucked away from the hurly-burly, the hustle, and the bustle of everyday life. Nothing can get to you here. Your worries, your stressors, your anxieties, all of that nonsense, all of that garbage, all of that gobbledygook is outside of those walls. They cannot get in here, okay? And in the greenhouse, every day is beautiful. My God, the sun is shining through the glass. We are warm, but we are not hot. We have we have a little skylight, of course, that allows for a nice breeze to come in. It's a real nice mix. It's a real nice equilibrium that we've established here in the greenhouse. And of course, a greenhouse is not complete without plants. Everywhere you turn, you find you are surrounded by the most gorgeous foliage you have ever laid your peepers on. We are talking about enormous, enormous flowers just blossoming in the sun. We are talking about green leaves falling into your face, tickling your face, if you find that to be comfortable. If you don't, if you just want to brush them away, the plants will move out of your way. Again, we don't want the plants to be encroaching upon you. This is not a Jumanji scenario. This is a safe space, a safe place. I'm taking the phrase safe space back from the conservatives. Thank you very much. We do deserve a nice safe space, even if it is in our imaginations, right? I agree. I agree. Now, just take a moment. 
and just breathe. Really take in this space around you, this greenhouse. What are you populating the greenhouse with? Is it a small group of tanukis? That's right, oh my goodness, this greenhouse is technically inhabited by a small group of, I'm thinking, I've never taken the time to count them, but there are at least three to five tanukis, and they are absolutely adorable. They tend to keep to themselves, so don't worry, they're a little shy, they won't get in your way or anything like that, but if you just look about, you'll catch them at the edge of your vision, sort of bouncing around, playing with each other. They're little rapscallions is what they are. If we don't bother them, I'm sure they won't bother us. And with time, maybe we'll get to know them better. Maybe we will establish a nice bond between humans and tanukis. I think that would be delightful. Oh, and just so you know, there are so many rainbow effects in this greenhouse. The sun is creating a prism effect within this greenhouse. Oh my god, we are just surrounded by color and warmth and life. Can you hear the wind chimes? Can you hear the wind chimes? That is a nice little touch I'd like to add to the greenhouse. What are you going to add to the greenhouse? What do you want here? What is going to make you feel most comfortable? That is my priority here within this greenhouse space. So yes, we now know where we are, but we need to reestablish what we're talking about here. So we are not talking about big, splashy, expensive-ass blockbuster Broadway musicals. No, we're going off-Broadway because those shows deserve our attention, too, and we would never have time for them in the main feed, would we? No, of course not. We would not. And we are going to be talking about 12 shows over the course of this series. We're going to be doing six episodes on a bi-weekly basis, so that means we're going to be bouncing between the main feed and this here Patreon feed to accomplish that goal, then we're going to take a break so we can return to M3, the movie musical man. Aha, yes! I hope you're excited for us to eventually return to that series. And then after that, we're going to come back. We're going to do the last six episodes of Turn It Off. We're going to round out that series with those final six episodes. So let's begin. Let's start here right at the beginning with our first subject, Emoji Land. Oh, I just want to say one more thing about the greenhouse. I did write this down. If you have ever played a video game, like a Legend of Zelda, where you begin the game in the hero's house. If you've ever had the instinct to stay in the house as long as possible and not venture out into the great wide world, well, that means you are right at home, Buster. I feel the same way whenever I play those video games. I just want to stay in the nice little natural, wonderful environment that is the home. This is our home for this show, and I just wanted to put that out there. Now that I have. Let us officially talk about Emoji Land. Let's get the show facts regarding Emoji Land. Well, first and foremost, I want to talk about emojis as a broad subject. I was fascinated by the idea of really digging into the history of the emoji. Well, emojis should not be confused with emoticons. I will say that to you right off the bat. Emoticons, which were invented by a computer scientist named Scott Fallman in 1982 are considered a natural precursor to emojis, part of that whole realm of pictographs, as it were, but their histories are not really interconnected. The term emoji is a combination of the Japanese words for picture and character. According to Emojipedia, yes, that is a real website, the first mobile phone to include a set of emojis was the Skywalker DP211SW, a Japanese model manual manufactured by JPhone. 
one, sales of the Skywalker model were low, and so it is not credited with bringing emojis to the mainstream. Not really. That honor goes to Shigetaka Kurita, who developed a set of 176 emojis for NTT Docomo's mobile web platform iMode. Kurita's images were inspired by manpu drawings popularized by Japanese manga, as well as Chinese characters and weather and street sign pictograms. His work is currently on display at the New York City Museum of Modern Art. Bonus emoji fact, Oxford Dictionaries named the face with tears of joy emoji as the 2015 word of the year, stating it represented, quote, the ethos, mood, and preoccupations of 2015. Quote, okay, so that's my very fast and loose history of the emoji as a concept. Now let's get those facts regarding this week's subject. Emojiland opened off-Broadway on January 19th, 2020 at the Duke on 42nd Street and ran through March 12th, 2020. The production closed earlier than expected due to the COVID-19 pandemic, as did every show off and on Broadway. The book, music, and lyrics of the show were written by Keith Harrison and Laura Shine. The director of the production was Thomas Caruso, musical director Lena Gabrielle, choreographer Kenny Ingram, scenic design David Goldstein, lighting design Jamie Roderick, projection design Lisa Renkel, and possible productions. Sound design Kenneth Goodwin, and costume design Vanessa Luke. The original cast of Emojiland included, I actually think this is the full list here, George Abood, Felicia Boswell, Max Crum, Dwellvin David, Jacob Dickey, Anne Harada, Jordan Fifehunt, Josh Lehman, Heather Makalani, Leslie Macarita, Tanisha Moore, Laura Shine, Lucas Steele, and Natalie Weiss. And as always, I do apologize if I happen to mispronounce any of those names. I do apologize. Notable awards, okay? We are going to break down what awards these shows happen to potentially be nominated for, potentially won. So what, what, what were they nominated for? What did they win? Well, Emojiland won two Outer Critics Circle Awards, one for Outstanding Costume Design, that would have gone to Vanessa Luke, and Outstanding Projection Design, that would have gone to Lisa Rankle and Possible Productions. The production was also nominated for one Lucille Lortel Award, that would be for Outstanding Projection Design, Lisa Rankle and Possible Productions, and it was nominated for four Drama Desk Awards, okay? One, two, three, four. Outstanding Featured Actor in a Musical, George Abood. Outstanding Costume Design for a Musical, Vanessa Luke. Outstanding Projection Design, Elisa Renkel and Possible Productions. And finally, Outstanding Wig and Hair, Bobby Ziotnik. You may be wondering, and this is a natural question, this is a question we tackle every week on the main feed, what is Emojiland about? Well, I would like to read to you this, this bit of marketing material from the show's official site. Quote, not to be confused with, and very much unlike the Emoji movie, Emojiland is an electric ensemble piece about a diverse community of archetypes who take one another at face value. A smiling face dealing with depression, a princess who doesn't want a prince, a skull dying for deletion, a nerd face too smart for his own good, a face with sunglasses who can't see past his own reflection, and a police officer and construction worker who just want to work together. Together. When a software update threatens to destroy life as they know it, Emojiland faces the most fundamental questions a society and a heart can face. Who are we, and who matters? Quote, the idea that anyone could have confused Emojiland for the Emoji movie 
may seem like a stretch at first, it did to me, but the Emoji Movie did make $218 million worldwide, rounding up, on a $50 million budget back in 2017, so only a few years before Emoji Land would premiere off-Broadway. More importantly, the movie has a 7% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yikes. So I can understand why the Emoji Land team would do everything they could to stand apart from it. Remember that shitty movie from three years ago? The one nobody liked that nonetheless made a ton of money? We are in no way associated with that shitty movie. Here's my take on the plot, or as much as I could glean from the original Off-Broadway cast album. In the digital realm of Emoji Land, smartphone updates are met with the pomp and circumstance of a New Year's Eve celebration. Another update means another batch of brand new emojis, and everyone is excited to greet their new neighbors with open arms. Everyone, that is, except Princess, who rules over Emoji Land with an iron fist. When she discovers an arrogant prince has been included as part of the latest update, it sends her into an existential tailspin. Arr! Her associate, man in business suit levitating, that is the character's name, suggests they build a firewall around Emoji Land to keep foreign elements out. Princess is a big fan of this idea. Meanwhile, the suicidal skull and naturally curious Nerdface conspire to rework Emoji Land's foundational code. Nerdface sees nothing but beautiful, boundless possibilities in their work, but Skull has other ideas in mind. He unleashes a virus upon the populace that is immediately pinned on the recently introduced emojis, but don't worry, all is set right in the end. Nerdface convinces Skull he has no right to end anyone's life simply because he does not value his own, and the emojis learn to accept change as well as each other. Other characters include Smize and Sunny, a couple who rely more on appearances than their true feelings, and the aforementioned construction worker and police officer, lovers who are temporarily torn apart for the sake of enforcing princesses' will. I assume we are meant to read them as lovers, perhaps that's just a bit of Oh, for the lack of a better word, coding on the part of the show. Ha <laughs> ha. Chuckle, chuckle, 1011001. None of this seems especially significant in the grand scheme of things, especially when it comes to Smize and Sunny. In a moment that is highly derivative of Into the Woods, Sunny reveals he has been cheating on Smize since update 3.0, to which I say, oh, uh, okay, is this meant to be funny? Moving? Help me out here. Okay, so before we go into the score proper, I do have a few general observations regarding the show that I do want to share with you. My only source this week was the 2020 original off-Broadway cast album. I just want you to know that there were no other sources for me to pull from, and that is what we are going with. I have no other choice. So, general observations. Are you ready for this? The problem with this show, in general, general observations, observation is that there is a surplus of earnest emotion. Nothing wrong with that. But there is a distinct lack of straight-up comedy. Okay, so we got a lot of earnest emotion and heart. That's great, but we're not really balancing that out with a lot of comedy, and I think that's really what they sold to audiences. So that's a problem. There is not an equilibrium there. The balance is out of whack. There's clever, and then there's funny. I would describe the show as more clever than 
funny. They mistook the former for the latter, which is a, oh boy, that's a big stumbling block there. That is gonna, that's gonna get you in trouble. Man in business suit levitating is probably the funniest recurring bit. And by saying that, I really do think I'm damning the show with faint praise. That's the funniest bit. The fact that characters keep saying, listen, man in business suit levitating, we need to get out of here. It's a funny thing to hear. It does strike the ear as funny. But that's not really that's not really doing the real work, is it? I, I would say no, that it is not. I'm glad that you and I are in agreement. The firewall, the whole element of the firewall is clear satire on the part of the show. Build the wall, keep out the alien elements. We know what we're doing here. This came out in 2020. We know what we're doing here. But the virus stuff, the whole the whole angle with Skull producing the virus that slowly but surely infects everyone in a Emoji Land? That stuff is really strange to hear about and very eerie. Again, the show was canceled midway through its run because of the COVID-19 pandemic, and the characters in the show are told to stay away from older emojis, as older emojis are more likely to fall prey to the virus. Again, very strange coincidence. I'm sure that they in no way could have predicted this. I'm sure I know. There's no way they could have predicted how bizarrely precious the show would be right up to the moment of its closing. The show does seem to think that the word bitch is really funny, and I'm not going to say that word again because Chris and I have come to the conclusion, the decision, that that word is just bad and awful and terrible. <laughs> It's just not, and it gets used as a punchline all the time in sitcoms and in movies. Every fucking form of entertainment thinks that that word is a serviceable punchline, and it just doesn't work. It never works. It's not funny. It's not funny, and I'm sick of it. I am sick of it, I say. On a more positive note, the score does embrace dubstep, chiptune, and a general electronic techno aesthetic, which I dug. I didn't get sick of it. I did think of like Duncan Sheik's American Psycho. It's a more digestible version of American Psycho's score. If if you've ever heard that show, maybe that's a nice comparison for you. Maybe that works for you. Maybe it doesn't. Hey, relax. Oh, ooh, a tanuki. <laughs> Hello, tanuki. Hello. Oh, and <laughs> I told you they were shy. They just like to pop their head out from between the giant flower blossoms, and they like to just get a look at us sometimes. They're really very friendly. I did speak to them about using this space. We are not invading this space by any means, okay? But at the end of the day, it is their space, so we do need to respect it. One last general observation before we go into our discussion of the score. Harrison and Shine's lyrics do not strike the ear. Ooh, we're using that phrase again. They do not strike the ear as organic, especially organic. There is a clear and consistent reach for rhyming payoffs and not enough focus on character, theme, and mood. We're a little bit too obsessed with doing the actual work of paying off these rhymes. I feel like they're a little bit too obsessed with that. And because they spend so much time and energy on that, we lose a lot when it comes to, as I said, character, theme, and mood. In the end, a lot of the rhyming payoffs they generate only work as partial rhymes, which makes the work seem even more discordant. This isn't 
amateur hour by any means. I don't mean to say that necessarily, but the text, the actual text, could stand to be buffed and polished a lot more. When it comes to discussing the score, we are going to be taking a different, we are going to be taking a different approach, I should say. This is going to be a top three format. That's right. I'm going to play clips, little clips, from my number three and number two selections from this score, and then I'm going to play my number one pick, my favorite song, in full. We're going to hear the whole damn thing. Copyright laws be damned. <laughs> oh my god, I'm in constant fear that one day the copyright gods are going to swoop down and destroy everything that I have created via this podcast. So again, this is a top three format. We're going to go number three, number two, number one. What is number three? My number three pick from Emoji Land is known as Sad on the Inside. Choosing Sad on the Inside as my number three says a lot about the overall state of the Emoji Land score, which is, I would say, more pleasing than it is outright entertaining. Harrison and Shine's character solo for Laura Shine is fueled by a mellow vibe, one that makes for a chill and diverting experience, but there's no real nourishment here. The emotional temperature of the song never rises above a sigh, and as there are no jokes on hand, as I said, a strangely distinct absence of jokes here, you wind up nodding to the beat while ignoring the lyrics completely. Not a good thing I would say. 
Laura Shine is doing a fine job as Smize, but I'm surprised no one thought to circle back for another go at that final note. Look, I'm no vocal coach, I don't mean to be a vocal snob, but it's clear we're aiming for clear and sustained with that final note, and Shine is having trouble supporting her sound. Sad on the inside is acceptable if you're in the market for a Lana Del Rey adjacent ballad. It is thoroughly harmless, distilled gloom, and Lord knows there is a place for such material in this world. Now let's hear a clip from my number two pick, number two. This is Cross My Bones. So my quest has justify the deed by the nature of your particular codal identity. What do you need my help for? Because you, nerdface, possess an understanding of the code that I, for whatever reason, lack. Not just an understanding that anything is possible, but, I suspect, the knowledge needed to achieve it. Lucas Steele commits a remarkable amount of delightfully ghoulish energy to our number two pick, Cross My Bones. This shouldn't come as a shock to fans of Natasha, Pierre, and the Great Comet of 1812, for which Steele gamely played the role of Anatole. Vocally, both Anatole and Skull require Steele to produce these icy, fog-white notes that stretch and creep through the air like cobwebs, and listening to him spin those notes in his head voice is beyond satisfying. Freddie Mercury eat your heart out? Not quite. But if Adam Lambert were to ever drop out of Queen, it's clear his replacement is on deck. The problem with Skull's subsequent numbers, Thank Me Now and Start Again, is how they refuse to evolve beyond the tone and tenor of Cross My Bones. We don't go anywhere with this character vocally. The character is never pushed outside of his creepy warlock comfort zone, and so I wind up tuning him out out over time. This is not a good thing, Emojiland, I'll say it again. I should not be checking out this much when it comes to the hard text and intent of your work. Change things up, catch me off my guard, lest I drift away is what I say to you. And now it is time to play in full my number one pick from Emojiland. Ooh, I wonder what it could be. Oh, why do I wonder? I know what it is. It's Pile of Poo, let's hear it. Grab some snacks of them, play that alto saxophone. Find it within you to begin to take me serious. 
table, cards on the table. I'm convinced Pile of Poo is my number one because it reminds me of Janelle Monae's tightrope. Can we hear a bit of tightrope just as a point of comparison? say we've crossed the line that separates an homage from a ripoff, but Harrison and Shine could stand to do a little less borrowing and a little more in the way of cultivating their own sound. I will just say that. Hey, head to God, I've just said it. But Anne Harada is having a blast, that's obvious, and the tune did inspire me to kick up these old feet of mine. Did I literally do that? No, but I could feel myself wanting to, so all told, I am on board for Pile of Poo. Of course I am, it's my number one pick. This is also the only number in Emojiland that stimulated my love of crafting potential stage pictures and choreography, and even then, its evocative power proved to be limited. My conical director's cap is always within reach, but I must be inspired to place it upon my dome. I really only just found myself casually, lazily reaching for it. Eh, eh, oh, it's just outside my reach. Oh, bother. As we come to the end of this, the inaugural episode of Turn It Off, we have to answer an important question. Should we take this week's subject to Broadway? That is a question we will answer with every single episode of Turn It Off. Should Emojiland be taken to Broadway? I'm gonna say no to Broadway, as I believe the show could wind up drowning in a sea of scenic wizardry and seem even more slight as a result. I just think that they would blow up the production values without working on the script or the score at all. I think they would just transfer it over. They wouldn't put in any additional work when it comes to the text, and that would be a problem. We're not going to solve this show's issues by making it bigger, so there's no need to take it to Broadway. The perfect place for Emojiland, I think, is a college black box theater. I would love to watch Emojiland at my college, let's say, Northern Kentucky University. I think that they have the perfect space for that. I think the more up close and personal you can get with people when it comes to this show, the better. And I just gotta say, because there are no real, there aren't a lot of jokes, maybe the book is filled with crackerjack humor that I have completely missed. But if you are going to do this show at the college level, you better go for broke. Make those costumes pop as much as humanly possible. Make your acting as broad as humanly possible because that's all you can rely on at the end of the day. The score and the script. Okay, I'm just going to say I bet the script isn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to make a really broad sweeping generalization and assume that the script probably isn't that fucking break your ribs hilarious. So it's all on you. It's all on you, actors. Try to plumb the depths as much as possible. I wish you all the luck in the world. It really seems like I have a mixed message here. Do I think the show should be staged? <laughs> 
I don't know, let's try it. Let's go for it. Who cares? Let's try. We are now coming to a close when it comes to this, the first, the inaugural, ha ha ha, the world premiere episode of Turn It Off, which means I have to tell you what the subject of our next episode is. On May 12th, we are going to be dropping the second episode of Turn It Off, which is all about the show Soft Power. I have no idea what this show is about. I have not heard a note of it, but I am excited to dig my my mitts, my paws into it. Ooh, I want to get my hands dirty with soft power. I want to figure out what is going on with this show. I hope you're excited. I hope you're looking forward to that next episode. Thank you for joining me in this beautiful greenhouse of ours. We need to say goodbye to the Tanukis. I know they're shy, but let's just wave to them. Are you waving with me? Let's just wave to them. Thank you for allowing us to use this space, you adorable little Tanukis. And when we get together, I hope that you are doing well. I hope that in the interim, you do well. At the end of the day, all we can do is keep ourselves safe so that we may better be able to protect and to look out for the ones that we care about. Am I right? That's why we have built this safe space, this greenhouse, so that we can recharge and re-enter the big hustle-bustle, hurly-burly outside world and be better able to tackle all of its challenges. I will see you on May 12th. Thank you again for donating $10 a month. You're fantastic. I'll see you back in the greenhouse in two weeks time. Bye. Goodbye. See ya.